Hey everyone, welcome to the Faith Chapel Podcast. We are so glad to have you join us. Faith Chapel exists to help people follow Jesus, be transformed by Jesus, and be on mission with Jesus. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, you're welcome here. If you have any questions about who we are or what you hear, you can visit faithchapel.cc or email podcast at faithchapel.cc. We'd love to hear from you. All right, let's dive into this week's message. My name is Nate, if we haven't met, and I'm really happy that we get to be together. Everybody online, thanks for joining in. So a couple weeks ago, we started a series in the book of 1 Timothy. And this is kind of a tradition that we have around here is that in January, we study a book of the Bible together. And one of the hopes is this, is that you read along. And as you read along, you read ahead, you go back, whatever it might be. I love just familiarizing yourself with a book is that as you read, God is going to teach you things that I didn't see, that he didn't teach me, and that there's this collective sense of growing together as we read this book. So here's a little bit about 1 Timothy. It's one of two epistles, which means letters, that Paul sends to his friend, his protege, Timothy. He had spent at least a dozen years with Timothy, And he has left him in the city of Ephesus, which was one of the largest cities in the ancient Roman world. And Paul had spent three years there himself in Ephesus. And he had planted a church. And it was a revolutionary church that literally challenged the fabric of uh, the Ephesian society. But since Paul's been gone, it's been about eight years he gets reports that there are some difficult things happening. And in chapter one, we looked at these two main challenges. One is there had been a deformation of the original message. So Paul came with this radical message of who Jesus was and how God had come to earth and died in our place and brought human beings back together with their creator. But there were people and forces and teachers within the church who are bringing Uh, Artemis worship, that was the goddess that they primarily worshiped there, and they're bringing portions of the Old Testament and trying to complicate and deform the original message. So Paul, first and foremost, writes to Timothy and he says, you have got to stop that. The message is the message and you don't need to add anything to it and anything that's added to it actually weakens it. It is just this powerful message of grace and forgiveness. The sin has been paid for once and for all by the death, life, and resurrection of Jesus. The second problem is Timothy. Guess what? He's a vulnerable, weak human being. And I think this is why we relate to this book. He wants to quit. He uh, feels a little bit threatened. He feels terribly inadequate. Paul actually tells him a couple times, I need you to stay. Please don't quit this. So it's an insecure human being who has an assignment that's bigger than he is. And I think everybody can relate to that. Now, when we move to chapter two, we're going to look at this thing that Paul says. He's laid out the problems, and then he's going to say, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray. I want you to pray. Now, next week, the latter half of chapter two, I just got to tell you, in my opinion, I wouldn't be alone, probably the most difficult verse in the New Testament to translate, followed by a other bunch of verses that people cannot agree on. All right, so we're going to read this. Women are saved through childbearing. What does that mean, right? 
and uh, women must remain silent in the church. So we're going to get into this, and I, I doubt that we'll all agree on what that means, but I will do my best. Literally, I've been studying for a couple of months on this next passage. Like, Lord, help me. What are we going to do through this? But before we get there, we got to talk about prayer, because Paul says this is absolutely essential in your life. Now, prayer is a big deal, right? I, I, just think of it for a moment. Over the last 24 hours, there are liturgical believers, Catholic believers who have prayed ancient prayers, poetic prayers that were written by saints. In a Muslim world, 1.9 billion people have paused probably five times a day to pray to Allah. Recent studies say this, that even though church attendance in the West is declining, prayer is increasing. More people will pray this week in the United States of America than will exercise. Three out of four Americans say that they pray weekly. People often don't want to hear preaching, but I've never had anyone refuse prayers. When you're in crisis, when you're in a difficult spot, um, people may not want to hear what I have to say or think about it, but one time in my life, I, I've been told, no, don't pray for me. Everybody else like, atheist, oh yeah, go ahead. You know, why not? It's not working. Go ahead and pray. You may not be talking to anybody, but let's give it a shot. So there's this, this need for prayer. And, and even think about like primitive people are praying. They pray to spirits or ancestors or to gods by different names. All across the world, it's this human need. There's this human desire to draw close one way or another to the God that they worship. And they do it through this thing called prayer. Now, I love that in 1 Timothy chapter 2, the first eight verses, Paul, in my opinion, gives probably the most comprehensive and succinct teaching on prayer. And I've got to tell you this. For me, this is very, very, very helpful. I, I would say over the last oh, maybe 10, 12 years, if there is one spiritual discipline that is underdeveloped in my life, it's prayer. It's prayer. Uh, I was at the gym a little while ago and I saw a guy who you could tell he worked a whole lot on his upper body and then forgot about his lower body. So he was like a monster with chicken legs. And I looked at him, I go, that's kind of how I feel in my prayer life. It's not for lack of effort, but I feel like other areas I've developed and my prayer life has always been something that's been challenging for me. And I know that there are some of you who are listening, who are in the room, who are you, you're like, we have terms like prayer warriors. You just, you pray. Um, there are some like me who I think have some sort of attention deficit issues who, I mean, I, I'll, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for the next hour. And 10 minutes into it, I'm in a third grade classroom rehashing a conversation with a teacher that happened 40 years ago. I'm like, how did I get here? What in the world just happened? And I, I, I make every effort and there's a lot of room for growth. I'll tell you this as well. Um, there have been more than a few times in my life where I've had to battle shame and guilt when it comes to prayer. Because I, I do, I want to pray more. But sometimes I feel guilty, like why am I not better at this? fasting would be included in that. I missed two meals and I'm pretty sure I'm going to die. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to make it. 
I gotta eat. God, if you want me to pray, I gotta survive, right? And so it's been, it's been a struggle. And this passage has been really, really helpful. So for all of us who have imperfect prayer lives, uh, maybe you're spiritually unresolved and you're like, I don't have any prayer life. Uh, a lot of times our only prayers are what? Desperation. What drives you to pray? I'm in a pickle, Lord. <laughs> if you're out there, please help me. Well, let's look at this passage in prayer. And we're gonna look at six things, six things, because Paul really lays this out clearly for Timothy. We're gonna talk about the priority of prayer, types of prayer, who do we pray for, why do we pray, who do we pray to, and how do we pray. Let's look together at 1 Timothy chapter 2 as Paul instructs Timothy in prayer. I urge you then, first of all, Paul sets this up as a priority, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving those are four Greek words that he uses for prayer. There are seven in the New Testament, and Paul uses four of them. Be made for who? All people. For kings and all those in authority. That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This, is, this has now been witnessed to all, uh, to at the proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying, and a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. Therefore, I want the men everywhere. By the way, next week we're going to look at specific instructions for women. Um, but this is, this is inclusive. I want the men everywhere to pray. Lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. Let's talk a bit about prayer. Number one, Paul wants to talk about the priority of prayer. He starts this section off by saying to Timothy, I urge you then first of all, to pray. There's a, a priority and there's an urgency and there's a, a, an importance on prayer. He says, Timothy, you're in this difficult situation and you're vulnerable and this church is unhealthy and struggling. And I've given you some instructions that you need to stop the false teaching. But before you go, I need you to pray. I, I need you to prioritize this I need you to make this a very important part of your life. It's changing my values and my schedule. I wanna read a couple of quotes about the importance of prayer. The first is one I came across, oh, probably 20 years ago, and it has helped me so much. It's a man named Smith Wigglesworth who was uh, an evangelist. He went around, the, did, did rallies, and he is asked as he's boarding a train, he's become very famous, He's asked by a reporter, how long did you pray this morning? And this is his answer. This answer is beautiful. Uh, Smith Wogelworth says, I don't often spend more than a half an hour in prayer at one time, but I never go more than a half an hour without praying. I love this importance and urgency when it comes to prayer. Because for any of us, if you can pray for long periods of time, like you're my hero, I love that. Please keep doing that. We need your prayers. They, they change things. 
And then for some of us who might say, yeah, I want to prioritize prayer. This has been incredibly helpful for me. The New Testament also says, pray without ceasing. And so when I first read that, I thought, I wonder if I could really, if I could go a half hour without praying, like make sure I prayed every half hour. And I found that even um, my schedule, like I'll, I'll have meetings and at the top of the hour, I usually have a 30 second, one hour, one minute break. And I've just tried to implement this all throughout the day to pause. It's okay, Lord, 25 seconds. I have somebody else coming into my office and here's what I ask. I ask, would you give wisdom? Is there anything you want to say? Is there anything in me that needs to disappear? To just pause. And I find that interweaving prayer into the daily life, the schedule, has been really, really helpful. I'm still not great at praying for more than a half an hour. But learning that discipline of praying every hour, uh, for a long time when I first started, I set a little chime on my watch that when the hour went, it, it chimed. And I'd be like, okay, it's time to pray. I just spend seconds just praying. And it creates this habit, so the priority of prayer. Here's another quote. D.L. Moody is one of my favorites when it comes to, to prayer. He says this, he who kneels the most stands the best. You just got to love that, right? When he talks about the challenges of life, he says the one who spends the most time praying is the one who's able to stand when the storm comes. And finally, D.L. Moody says this, the Christian on his knees sees more than the philosopher on tiptoe. God sends no one away empty except those who are full of themselves. I love that. There is a dynamic in prayer that when I am praying, God is going to teach. And the only time I'll be sent away empty is when I'm full of myself. <laughs> but if I can be humble, I can see more than the brilliant philosopher who stands on tiptoes, that there is truth that is taught and there's room in my life for God to adjust and challenge my perspectives when I am prayer. So number one, the priority of prayer. I urge you first of all to pray. And in your own life, rather not feeling shame, not feeling guilt, like experiment. How can I make prayer a priority in my life? Uh, for years and years, this has been part of it. I try to pray right before I fall asleep. I, like most every night, I fall asleep praying. Um, they're terribly incomplete prayers. Uh, maybe I'll get through like two kids and then I'm like. <sighs> but then the first thing in the morning, I just wanna take a couple minutes. Lord, thanks, that alarm clock sounded beautiful. I'm choosing not to be angry at it. It's dead of winter, it's pitch black outside at 7 a.m. and I'm happy, right? Because Lord, I know you're in control of the day. So just things like that, find ways to make it a priority in your life. Number two, let's talk about the types of prayers, the types of prayers. So as I mentioned, there's seven words for prayer in the Greek New Testament and Paul uses four of them. And I don't think this is exhaustive, but I think he's helping Timothy just understand that there's a variety of prayers. The first one is this. He says, I want petitions to be made. Petitions. So petitions are requests. If you were going to petition the government or petition for a warranty, you're saying, here's, here's something that I need. And these are typically the type of prayers that are most natural for most of us to pray. That God, 
there's a major challenge ahead of me. I've got this situation, this crisis in a relationship, this financial need. And those are petitions where we're speaking to God. God, here's my point of need. And it's helpful to know Paul says pray those prayers because he cares. God cares. The second type of prayer is he just called, he uses the Greek word for prayers. So petitions and prayers. Now, prayers are directed to God. They're declarations regarding who he is. So after I give my petitions, God, this is what I need. It's good for me to pause and say, God, here's some things that I know about you. I know that you're loving and forgiving. I know that you're present in this situation. It's a moment where we're declaring truths about who God is. I know that I do not need to be afraid today because you are with me. You go before me. So petitions, prayers, and the third one is intercessions. This is only used twice in the New Testament, but an intercession is something of conversation. An intercession is boldness to bring issues before God. And so it's issues or people. So an intercession is there's someone that I know who's struggling and maybe they, maybe they, they would never think to pray or maybe they're struggling so much that they're just worn out where I take this person or this situation. You watch the news, you're overwhelmed. What is happening in Ukraine? You take the situation, you take the person and you bring it before God. That's intercession. And you say, God, for these people who can't pray for themselves or these people who need more prayers than they can offer, I am bringing this before you. And the last form of prayer is thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, the, I love that it starts with these petitions, God, I, I need this. And in the end, he says, and make sure you just thank God because I, I always have something more I need or want, right? And there's something powerful to just pausing and saying, God, I, I just wanna thank you. I want to thank you for what is currently in my life, that I am, I'm not hungry. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm grateful that you have taken me this far. So this moment of just expressing gratitude. And all of this, I would say, one of the things that Paul seems to be pointing at is that prayer shouldn't just be a monologue. And that's often how we tend to make it, right? A monologue is one person speaking, have you ever done that with God? Okay, God, got a got big list today. I need you to do this, 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 this. All right, thanks for listening. I think prayer is supposed to be more dialogue than we probably assume. The, there are moments where I'm bringing these things, and then there are moments when I am the listening recipient, where I just pause. I say, God, I've talked enough. You know everything that's going on. And now I, I just, I choose to listen. These are the moments where God affirms us. These are the moments when God speaks some sort of truth that is exactly that, what we need. I, I was just talking to a guy right before service and he said I was praying and, and God just gave me this one word. I didn't know what the word meant, but as I listened, it was this one word over and over. And it ended up being an incredibly important message from God, but it happens in the midst of listening. So the types of prayers. Now, the third thing that Paul talks about in regard to prayer with Timothy is this. It's, he answers the question, who do we pray for? 
Okay, who do we pray for? So this is a great question, right? There is a natural group of people that we all tend to pray for. It's the people close to us. It's kind of like concentric circles. So I, we pray for ourselves, and then you pray for immediate family members, right? It's just natural. And you pray for people in your sphere, the business that you're involved in. And, and these things are fairly natural, right? I, um, I, I look at my kids, I can look at my wife, and I, I can tell them I've prayed for you every day to my kids since you were born. Like, that's natural for me. I want to pray for them. But Paul says, I want you to expand this because there's a bigger sphere. And who does he say to pray for? He says, I want you to pray for all people. (laughs) Uh, That's like 7.9 billion people. If I prayed for them all by name, it'd take a little while, wouldn't it? Like, what is Paul getting at? Well, I think Paul is saying this. Timothy, I get it. You're going to pray about your situation and the crisis in your life. But there's something powerful to lifting your eyes and praying for all people. As somebody asked me one time, I thought it was a brilliant question. They said, if God answered all of your prayers in the next 24 hours, would anybody's life change besides yours? Ooh, that's a good question. Now, if I'm praying for all people then many people's lives change. So when we live smack dab in the middle of a continent, and I know some of you are listening from different places, but we kind of are insulated here in Yellowstone County, and we're a long ways away from some of the world events that are happening in the crisis. So I think there's some helpful tools. I just want to show you one helpful tool that has helped me learn to pray for all people. This is a website called the Joshua Project. And there's others. There's great resources. Actually, I have them listed on your notes if you grab a copy of the notes. But on the Joshua Project, like even over here, here's a global summary. There are 17,446 people groups in the world. 7,425 of them are unreached. That's 42.6% of the people groups of the world are unreached. And if you continue with this, it shows pictures. It just helps me understand globally what is happening so I can pray for all people. If you zero into Iran, Iran has a total population of 88 million. Uh, Christians, 1.65%. There's 84 distinct people groups. Of course, 97.8% is Islamic. And there is a growth rate. But if you, these little red dots represent people groups, distinct people groups or tribal people within there. If you click on this, the IMOC people, um, you'll notice the IMOC people there, I think we'll continue. Here we go. Yeah, we zoom in here. Just one example out of all those. There's 248,000 IMOC people. 0.00% know who Jesus is. That's all people. That's a way for me to pray differently. And so these type of things help me to expand my prayers away from just the natural prayers to these global prayers. Because God says, I want you to pray for all people. And in this, as he says, pray for all people, he then transitions to a specific group in particular for Timothy to pray for. He says, I want you to pray for kings and all those in authority. So he says, Timothy, you have a responsibility to expand your prayers, and I want you in particular to pray for kings and all those in authority. Now, where does Timothy live? 
He lives in Ephesus. It's part of the Roman Empire. It's this domineering, powerful force. And when he says kings and all those in authority, he didn't say, and all those that you agree with in authority. Or maybe in 2023, he might say, and pray for all those you voted for in authority. First Timothy is written in somewhere around 63, 64 AD. Guess who is emperor of Rome when Paul writes this? Nero. He's just started. Nero is one of the most evil emperors. He's eventually going to start the first serious, serious uh, threat against the Christian church. And Nero's just the type of guy that, what you name your Rottweiler after, right? That, that's just the name because he was this vicious human being. And Paul says this, Timothy, I want you to pray. I want you to pray for Emperor Nero. I want you to pray for people who occupy a land that was one day free. I want you to pray for all those in authority over you. And in our very partisan world, and I understand we live in a democracy, I'm grateful for that. But as we polarize and as we disagree with people, Paul's words would still ring true. I want you to pray for kings. I want you to pray for presidents. I want you to pray for Supreme Court justices and congressmen and senators and civic leaders and mayors. I want you to pray for spiritual leaders that you learn from. I want you to pray for all those in authority over you. And this can be incredibly challenging, but here's the beauty. You and I could not make an appointment to, to sit down and talk with a world leader. They, they wouldn't, unless you have connections, I don't, right? If I wanted to call some prime minister and say, hey, I'd just like to talk to you for a few minutes, I'm not gonna get that, but here's what I can do. I can specifically pray for any leader in the world. And I can pray for them to understand truth, to be protected, to be open to God's guidance and direction in their world in an environment where so often we see people as the complete enemy, what does Paul do? Paul says, I want you to pray for that person. I don't want you to like post all your negative thoughts about that person. As a follower of Jesus, I have this new ask to pray for all those in authority. Now, Paul moves on to his fourth topic, which he's going to address this why do we pray, right? It's a legitimate question. So why do we pray? And Paul just gives a couple of really simple answers. Number one, he says, this pleases God our Savior. So when we pray, God smiles. When you pray, if it's a stumbling prayer, if you are uncomfortable praying, if you pray in these eloquent ways. I don't care how you pray. Here's what God does. He goes, that pleases me. I want to make God happy. How about you? Uh, maybe here would be an illustration. Um, I've raised three teenage boys and there have been times, not so much with my daughter, she talked a lot, but with the boys, there would be times when they're like 15, 16 and dad wasn't cool. And if they just came to me to have a conversation and I don't even care what it was about, out, but they actually sat down and talked to me because I've done a lot of, my kids call them force talks where like I go in the basement, I'm like, hey son, how are you doing? Good. What happened at school today? Nothing. And you just keep trying. When they would come and say, hey dad, 
I just want to talk to you about something. Inside, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, please, like I'm all ears. I'm not even going to say anything. I just want, I just want to hear you. Why? Because I just love to hear from my kids. God just loves to hear from his kids. Why do I pray? I pray because it pleases God. It makes him happy. Here's the second thing. Paul says, I want you to pray because through your prayers, we could create environments where we would live peaceful and quiet lives. Paul gives an extraordinary power to prayer. He says, when you pray, when you pray for kings and leaders and those in authority over you, when you pray for all people, when you pray for parts of the world where you've never been and will probably never go, here's what happens. God somehow gives you a key and you unlock something where there's an environment that's created. An environment created where spiritual seeking can happen, where people can find Jesus, where leaders have wisdom that goes way beyond their intellect, that when you pray, it changes environments. And that is important for us to remember because sometimes we wonder like, God, do you hear these prayers? And Paul says, absolutely. When you pray, it changes things at a global level. It opens up doors spiritually. It creates an environment where we can thrive. And the last reason he says he wants us to pray is that God wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of faith. I want you to pray for all people and I want you to pray for kings and leaders and all those in authority because of this, because God desperately wants everyone to know him. Because God wants to break down governments that isolate people from truth, that oppress people, that change the world. He wants all people to know him and come to a knowledge of truth. And our prayers are one of the things that facilitates that actually happening. Why do we pray? It pleases God. It changes the environment. God wants everyone to be saved. That's why we pray. Now here's the fifth thing. If there was one thing that was probably really important, it would be this question, who do we pray to? Who do we pray to? So this is a great question because <clears throat> when we pray, imagine that this is you, this is me, we're here, and this is God. And so how do we get our prayers from here on planet Earth in the midst of my own life to God? Well, there have been all kinds of teachings and philosophies on this, and Paul just emphatically says this, here's who you pray to. He says, there is one mediator between God and humanity, and that is the man, Jesus Christ. So here's the picture. This is where we're at. That's where God is. Is there is someone who stands in the gap between God and human beings. And when I pray to Jesus, Jesus takes those prayers and they're delivered. A mediator, someone who comes between. When two people are in a legal disagreement, what do they do? They hire a mediator who can hear and represent both sides. And this has been so, I want to be very cautious. I'm not speaking critically here. It is simply an observation. There are so many, even within forms of Christendom, there are so many teachings that say it's, it's a saint or it's the Virgin Mary who takes my prayers to God. Scripture is emphatically clear. I don't need to pray to a saint. I speak my prayers to God and there is one mediator. Only one. There's not two. There's not three. There's one mediator 
between God and human beings, and that is the man Jesus Christ. And Paul is very clear. He says, the man Jesus Christ. Because Jesus has these two natures, right? He's all God and he's all man. He goes, but this is the man Jesus Christ. That aspect of him who relates to you when you pray, he knows what it's like to struggle. He knows what it's like to have a body that aches, to be brokenhearted. You pray to him and he takes care of your prayers. He does exactly what needs to happen with them. Please be cautious of anything that sets up a barrier between you and your prayers being answered. There is no other mediator. It is Jesus alone. It is not angels. It is the person of Jesus who is the mediator between God and human beings. Now here's the last thing, point number six. How do we pray? How do we pray? Because there's like lots of prayer formulas, right? Well, I love that Paul just gives two things. He says, Timothy, here's how I want you, here's how I want men everywhere, here's how I want the church to pray. I want you to pray with the right posture. He says, I want men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands in prayer. What does that mean? Because my grandma taught me to pray like this, right? Well, I think you could pray in a lot of different ways, but there's something about your hands being raised. Is it like this or like this? If you got arrested this afternoon, what would the law enforcement officer ask you to do? Put your, you got it right there. Way to go, Basie. Put your hands above your head. Because this is a sign of vulnerability, right? It's the exact opposite of this. This is a sign of, I'm making myself vulnerable. And God, when it comes to prayer, I, I want to be vulnerable. Or lifting up hands like this. God, I, I'm ready to receive. I'm, take whatever you need and give whatever you think I need. And it's just telling my body that, God, I'm here. I, I'm, not, I'm not praying like this. <laughs> I'm praying like this, your kingdom come, your will be done. So he says, I, I want you to pray with that posture. And then the second thing is he says, I want you to pray with the right attitude. Don't pray with anger or disputing. So there's a type of prayer, like, okay, what if we went back to pray for all those in authority? You could pray, oh God, I pray for that party that you burned down their houses. Give them all leprosy, right? That's, pr that's praying with anger and disputing. It's not praying for your neighbor. Oh, God, I pray for my neighbor that you would cause her to move immediately. It makes you lose a lot of money on the sale of her house. Paul says, I want you to pray vulnerable, and I don't want you to pray with anger or disputing. I want you to just pray these prayers. That, God, give me the love that you have for the people around me or for the people that frustrate me. So in conclusion, I want to do a couple things. Number one, anybody who says, yeah, I want to learn how to pray. Here's what I love. Luke chapter 11. Jesus' disciples have watched Jesus pray. And they don't ask Jesus, hey, teach us to do miracles. They don't even ask him, uh, teach us how to teach the way you teach. They look at Jesus and they go, would you teach us how to pray? And Jesus said, Absolutely. And he gives them the Lord's Prayer. If you want somebody to teach you how to pray, Jesus would love to teach you how to pray. It's not about eloquence. 
It's about these things, these six things that we just covered. I'd like to end this way. And I know this could be a little bit awkward, and especially if you're just trying to figure out what you believe, it might feel funny. But I would love to create space for us to take several moments and pray. If you're online, I just encourage you, like, hang in there. And let's take the next several moments. And would each of us, rather than be theoreticians of prayer, let's be practitioners of prayer. Take a few things that Paul said and let it guide and direct your prayers. Ready? Let's pray. We pray all of these things to the mediator, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, you just made God smile. You just made his day. He's like, oh, all of them. I love that. Isn't that beautiful? Hey, as you prepare to go, a couple of thoughts. If you're online, if you need prayer, you need a Bible, please click the appropriate button and we, we would love to respond. If you're here in the room, you need a Bible or you just need to talk to somebody about what spiritual life looks like, or if you just have a real prayer request, please come forward. There's some people you can trust. As you go, be the hands, the feet, mouthpiece of Jesus. Let's pray. God bless. See you next week. We hope that this helps you take your next step on your spiritual journey. If you'd like to get involved with the work and ministry of Faith Chapel, visit faithchapel.cc and click on Next Steps. If you'd like to speak to a pastor or connect with us in any way, email connect at faithchapel.cc. We look forward to connecting with you soon.